0: The Gospel reading for the morning is from the first chapter of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> I've gotta tell you, through years and years and years of church children's Christmas pageants, it has become clear to me no one wants to be cast as Joseph. Uh, He's not the hero of the story. Joseph doesn't even have any lines. Occasionally, he's able to ad-lib a little bit with the innkeeper who just shakes his head no, and, and that's about it. All Joseph does in these pageants is stand awkwardly behind Mary in a makeshift bathrobe while Mary gets to cradle the baby, while all the attention's on Mary, and while little kids dressed like sheep kind of swarm around his ankles. He has this look on his face. Every Joseph in every pageant has this look on his face like, I don't want to be here. And in this way, these pageants are completely biblical. (laughs) Joseph only comes up three times in the gospel, and every time his role seems completely awkward. He definitely doesn't want to be there. In fact, he had other plans, just to go be a carpenter and marry his fiancée and take care of this tax problem up in Bethlehem, and then just settle down, but All these reasonable plans are shattered when Mary turned up pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you have loved to have listened in on that conversation? Did did Mary tell him herself? Did she even try to explain the Holy Spirit part? Did she cry as she just tried to get him to understand? It had to have occurred to Joseph that he was left completely out of the loop on this whole thing. By the time he hears about this from Mary and then from the angel, all the decisions have been made, all the action has already been taken. Uh, The child already has a name and a mission, and no one checked with Joseph about any of this. We hate that. We're big on process, and honestly, we sort of expect God to do a little consulting with us. We're pretty good at fixing problems. But if you notice, God never says, here's an idea, salvation of the world. I think we'll use your fiance's womb. Just wanted to run that by you first. No, In my experience, God never does that. God interrupts the plans we have. God sends us to places that we really don't wanna go. God gives us gifts that we didn't really ask for. We are accustomed to thinking of this interruption in Mary's life, how she thought that this thing that was going on with her would be her ruin, and it ended up being her salvation, and the salvation for the world. Mary is the person whose life is directly interrupted by God, and as a result, Joseph's life is never the same again. God is still in the holy business of interrupting lives, but not necessarily your life. Not necessarily my life, not all the time. Sometimes you or I are the star of the holy drama. At times, we are the ones squarely in God's sight, getting God's call. It's our holy interruption. But other times, we're simply giving support. We're giving support to that other person who is in holy drama with God. I wonder as you look back at the past year, when have you been in holy drama with God? And when have you been in the supporting role? In the year ahead, can you even dream about those roles for yourself? Whichever it is, we are never the same as a result of God's interrupting us. That's the way the pageant goes. When Joseph learned that all his plans had been interrupted, he did what we do. He went for plan B. He made a new plan. We love our plans. His new plan was just to quietly set Mary and this engagement aside, not to publicly humiliate her. It was an honorable plan, as honorable as anybody could come up with. It's fascinating in the text that right after he came up with this new plan, he fell asleep. That's kind of what our plans do to us. They numb us to the mystery of God. They blind us, literally close our eyes to God's surprising intrusion over and over again in our lives. But then... In his sleep Joseph finally gets a dream. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will name him Jesus for he will save the people from their sins. Now that is a dream. Most of us most of us have too many plans and not near enough dreams. So Joseph awakes from this dream and takes Mary as his wife. One further thing on this. I find that when a baby is born not long after a wedding, people get very interested in math. (laughs) And having done the math, people are going to figure out that this baby is coming a little soon. And since Joseph did not, as religion and custom and village uh, dictates, said, disgrace Mary, or as the text says, put her away, they're going to assume he's taking her in because that's his boy, which means Joseph shares the scandal. He brings the scandal Home. In the first century, unmarried men did not live in bachelor pads. Joseph probably lived with aging parents, unmarried siblings, perhaps a widowed uh, aunt, and he had to have a conversation with each one of those trying to get them to understand this thing which was taking place, which means he brought the scandal to his family. And being a small town, first the scandal comes to Joseph, then it comes to his family, and then the scandal comes to the whole village, his whole world. Everybody knows about this. And this scandal is God's dream. Absolutely. Once again, this Christmas, there are scandals to the kingdom of God that are nearly suffocating our world. Violence, violence is everywhere, it seems. Last week, there was a report that there has been, on average, one mass shooting a day this year in this country. Every day injustice. It seems to be raining. Kids growing up on violent, lethal, dangerous streets without any hope. So many refugees looking for a home. The UN estimates right now today there are 60 million people on this earth who are refugees that's one out of every 122 human beings on this planet who today have the experience of being forced to flee their home community the tone of rhetoric and the words used by our leaders and aspiring leaders seems so far far away from the kingdom of god it's literally tearing us apart and it is addicting us to fear which is the direct opposite of faith, hunger, the scandal of hunger, one in six Texas households, one in six Texas households struggle to avoid hunger this year. That's 1.7 million Texas homes that are food insecure. That's a larger number than any state except California. Exploitation, as close as the schools we drive by and as prevalent as the major trafficking centers just miles away, the abuse and degradation of girls and women, no older than Mary, by the way, when she got visited by that angel, continues to be heartbreaking and soul-crushing. Since I've been with you these last few months, several of you in conversation have brought something up. At first, I had to get used to what you're saying, but many of you have shared a feeling with me of what you call is the danger of the Westlake bubble. That's the phrase many of you have used, the Westlake Bubble both the thing that gives identity and opportunities that can be so isolating from the problems of anyone who does not live in the zip code of 78746. Even closer, a strong sense of community here can also isolate those whose Christmas letter this year does not burst forth with unrestrained achievements or bright promise. The thing is, in God's world we know there is never such thing as a bubble. Never something that leaves some people out. Never anything that isolates us or insulates us from the heavy scandals which are an affront to the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Scandals, the biblical accounts of the birth of Jesus, are well accustomed To scandal. They are affronts to God's holy intention of how we are to live together. These scandals to the kingdom of God are suffocating our world. But God would invite all of us this year to be Joseph, to bring the scandal home. What would happen this Christmas if all of us, Christians all around the world, brought it home? What if we cradled these scandals? What if we made these scandals which were an affront to the kingdom of God the subject and object of our persistent prayer? What if we brought these scandals home to our life groups and our mission efforts and our prayer groups and our choir and our committee meetings and our youth groups and our adult education and our worship? What if we resolved because of the God who comes to us now, God with us, to live a more just life. Grounded in God's hope, not stuff. Anchored in God's word, not the tepid conventional wisdom that is swirling around. Nurtured by God's love and not the toxic fear that it seems like everyone with a megaphone is peddling these days. What if we dedicated ourselves, not just individuals, but as a community in response to Christmas, to be Joseph. And as a result, to work for holy justice for all the people of the earth. Allowing ourselves truly to be interrupted by God's holy drama will change us. Not just slightly change the trajectory of our holiday celebrations. It will change us, our lives, our priorities, dare I say, our plans. God has a way of drawing our attention, of commanding our focus. God has a way of leading us away from all the things that distract us from God's deepest purposes if we're gonna bring the scandals of our world home and cradle them and pray for them without ceasing and redouble our efforts to see the world through God's eyes, we're gonna need every ounce of our mind and soul dedicated to only this. A religion professor several years ago was invited to speak about law and religion at a military base in the Midwest. The Post sent a soldier named Ralph who had been, uh, been assigned to meet the professor at the airport once they'd made the introductions, they both headed down the concourse toward baggage claim. All the way down the concourse, Ralph kept disappearing. Once to help an older woman whose suitcase had fallen open. Once to boost two kids up so they could take a look at Santa Claus. Another time to give directions to somebody who was lost. Each time he'd do this and then come back and fall right back in step with the professor taking up the conversation exactly where he left off. Where'd you learn to do that? The professor asked, not sure what to make of this guy. Do what, Ralph said. Where'd you learn to live like that? Oh, Ralph said, during the war, I guess. And then he told the professor about his tour in Vietnam and how his job was to clear minefields and how he saw friend after friend being blown up in front of him. I learned to live between steps, Ralph said. I never knew whether the next one would be my last, so I learned how to get everything I could out of the moment between when I picked my foot up and set it back down again. Every step I took, it was a whole new world, and I guess I've lived like that ever since. God would invite us this Christmas to be Joseph. Or as author Marianne Williamson has said, you are a child of God. Our playing small does not serve God's world. What if we dedicated as our response to Christmas to be Joseph and as a result work for holy justice for all the people on earth? What would happen? We would come a lot closer to peace on earth. And that has always been God's dream.